I'm Simone W. Johnson-Smith, and welcome to The Immigrant Experience in America. Are you a professional new to the United States and struggling to monetize the expertise you brought across the seas? Are you feeling misunderstood and out of touch because you're struggling to understand the unstated rules of the American culture? Each week, we'll take an in-depth look at the positive contributions immigrants are making to the American culture, marketplace, and life. Our intention is to serve as a bridge from your culture to the American culture, giving you a roadmap of tools and the language to understand the unstated rules of the American culture. Let's get started. We were at our ring ceremony in high school and my parents were there. We're giving a few words to our parents of thanking them for all their help. And instead of speaking in English, I started speaking in Spanish. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time I spoke in Spanish in front of my high school class, in front of my high school class. And a lot of these students knew me since elementary school. And I was like, I was no longer ashamed of speaking Spanish because people would look down upon that. I was actually very proud. After that, I had so many other classmates who I didn't know had Mexican parents start speaking in Spanish. Oh, and they came out. It's like they a coming out party, right? Yeah, it was. It was like a I'm a an immigrant or I'm a the son or daughter of an immigrant coming out day in our school. <laughs> it was amazing. And since then I was like, no, I'm gonna be proud of who I am. I love Mana. It's a really great rock music, rock band and from Mexico. I went to Mexico every summer. If if my close friends or people who I might date don't like that, then so be it. That's their problem. This is who I am. Yeah. Uh, but I love that moment. And I'm glad I joined the soccer team because those group of guys really inspired me to embrace who I was, uh, a, a part of who I was yes. and embrace who my mother was. So since then, I've been very proud. And that I think that helped me when I joined the State Department or even before that, like when I was at school or and for undergraduate or graduate school, I was very proud. And then you have people. So I went to graduate school at the University of Texas, and Emmanuel Ancho was there as a football player. Obviously, I didn't know him personally. I would, I would have loved to get to know him. But you see these folks who are very proud of where they come from. They're like, "Yeah, this is where I'm from. This is where my family's from. And look at what I'm doing." You know. And so it's been with me, and I think that pride has helped me as being as a diplomat because I can go between different worlds. I can speak Spanish in one moment. I can speak Hindi in another moment. I can speak English in another moment. And navigating different worlds, I, I have that ability. So throughout high, high school, I struggled with embracing that. It's almost like a superhero quality of having these different worlds within you. And I struggled with accepting that. And I think that senior year, I embraced it. Like, no, yeah, my mom's from Mexico. I know how to speak Spanish really well. I know about Mexican culture. I'm going to embrace that. And uh, there was a sense of freedom when that happened. Beautiful, beautiful. I love, mm-hmm. I love that. Thanks for sharing. It's so powerful okay. coming out moment and standing <laughs> authentically in who yeah. you are. Yeah. I mean, like, you have to show up fully. This is who I am. Accept me, accept me for who I am. Or, yeah. Or let me know straight up that you can't accept me for who I am. But this is what you this what you see is what you get. This is who I am. This is what I bring yeah. to the table. And there's a lot of value in that, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Beautiful. Uh, Beautiful. So what advice would you give to new residents, new immigrants, first generation Americans who are 
navigating this complex culture and trying to figure out like how do I come out like Greg and be proud of my heritage and who I am but yet be proud of Mexican and the American side and you're that you're that salad bowl with you know lovely reds and greens and yellows you know all of it come together oh yeah let's start with two different people one with the parents out there who are the immigrant like my mother you know continue doing what you do don't Continue to support your parent, your 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 children. Don't be intimidated if you don't speak English. You know, go to their schools and and be proud. I mean, be courageous when you go there and ask for a translator if you need to, or force your kids to be the translator. Because <laughs> that that's really good. Just go for it. There's no holds bar. Um, you know, like my mom, she she took her citizenship classes because there's a community center. Find a community center. Uh, there was a community center near where I went to high school um, run by the city of San Antonio. And it would offer English language classes and also citizenship classes. So my mom took the citizenship classes uh, before she took her citizenship exam. And she passed it. She's a U.S. citizen now. That was back in 2000. But, you know, she... She took advantage of these opportunities and it also helped her connect with other immigrants and, you know, make friends, immerse yourself. So I would say to the, to the immigrant parent, just, you know, don't, you know, I know it gets challenging at times for you, whether a lot of work or if you don't, haven't been able to pick up the language or you have backhanded comments from people or just go forward. You're, you're part of this community now and embrace it. I, I, you're here for a reason and give yourself some time to reconnect with other people so you can be at ease and talk about the issues you're dealing with. Uh, and to the second person would be the, to the children of immigrants. Um, it's also a struggle. You're born and raised here. And obviously you're an American kid, just like any other kid in the United States. Uh, doesn't matter if you're from Georgetown or from Southeast DC or Northeast DC or West side of San Antonio, or wherever you're, you're an American kid. Um, Help your parents. Don't be don't be ashamed of that. I know sometimes there's going to be moments where you want to be a part of the mainstream because you are. But, you know, being an immigrant, sometimes folks look, unfortunately, sometimes it comes out where people look down upon that. It's like, oh, well, they're not truly American. You know what? Don't listen to those voices. Embrace it um, and help your parents out. But, you know, embrace who you are, because I think that makes you feel it's just going to make you a much better person. It's, it's kind of like a superpower in a sense, now that I think about it, of being able to live in two different worlds, being in that American world and being a part of that immigrant world and wherever your, your parents are from, being a part of that world as well. Uh, it's amazing. That's what's helped me be a great diplomat, I think, being able to mix in with different cultures because I was raised with that. I was translating for my mother. I was watching football games, but then also watching Don Francisco on Saturdays in Spanish, Univision and Telemundo and translating for my mother at times and going down to Mexico and, you know, it's a completely different culture, playing soccer with my cousins, uh, explaining what the American cult, um, how, what American life was all about. And at that time in the nineties, people were learning about Michael Jordan, the NBA. And I was always talking about that. So I was a cool kid. Uh, but I also learned about Mexican soccer and culture and I'll come back and, and share that with some of my classmates in the United States. So embrace that. I think, you'll see that you'll, you'll come out on top. And uh, it's interesting because I remember a lot of my fellow Mexican-American classmates in high school, elementary or middle school were ashamed of trying to study or 
or show people that they knew Spanish. Then I get to college and uh, into graduate school, and I meet all these white kids who have studied Spanish and speak it better than I do. <laughs> and it's actually kind of cool to learn Spanish. And it's, it's, they're using it to their advantage for their careers and all that stuff. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Why were my classmates who are Mexican-American who had parents who speak Spanish not wanting to learn Spanish because they were ashamed of it? It's almost like they were shooting themselves in the foot. And you have these... We have these, uh, have these white classmates now in college and in graduate school who have learned Spanish and who are embracing it. They love it, and they're using it to their advantage. I was like, wait, <laughs> embrace your language. So whether your parents are from India and they speak Hindi or Tamil or Punjabi or your parents are from, from China and you, they speak Mandarin or, or anything else, learn it because somebody else is learning it. Don't be ashamed of that. It makes you stronger. And so... Right. <laughs> and more marketable right oh and, yes and exactly for careers and jobs mm -hmm. and so forth that's that's such a big plus oh yeah i mean there's positions in the state department it works on latin american you know the positions that focus on latin american issues and sometimes they re require or we prefer people who know spanish and you know this right yeah, it's a big I, advantage. I, it. I mean, and, and even in 2022, 2005, when I was with Department of State, and from that period until now, it has increased the demand for Spanish speakers, people who are bilingual, English and Spanish. Yeah. And there's such a market for it because, of course, the makeup of our country is changing. Mm -hmm. And and even so, even in uh, for globalization, in order for yeah. business to operate and yes. to do business internationally, Spanish is one of those languages that's quite oh, in yeah. demand. And so I wonder where that, where, where did your friends or classmates get the idea that it was such a bad thing to speak Spanish or, you know, try, I think, try to hide it? I think it's because of historical race, uh, historically the racism and discrimination that a lot of Mexican Americans dealt with in the 1930s and 40s and 50s. Um, if you find old posters from Texas in the 1940s and 50s, there were signs at restaurants and businesses that no, no blacks, no Mexicans, no dogs allowed, right? Uh, there were stories about uh, Mexican-American children going to public schools and being chastised for speaking in Spanish, or uh, they would be uh, punished if they brought tacos for lunch. Mm. which is hilarious because not everybody loves tacos. There's Taco Tuesdays. <laughs> but they dealt with that. And I think those children, when they had children in the 60s and 70s, they probably decided we have to Americanize because if we don't, we're gonna, our kids won't get ahead. So let's not speak Spanish. And it, you know, that racism really, really handicapped them because they got rid of a, a strength. And, you know, you'll, you'll see a lot of Mexican-American families who went from, having names like Juan, they switched it over to like Hunter or <laughs> Joshua, very anglicized names. And I think that came from almost trying to disassociate yourself with this Spanish Mexican side of your family because of the discrimination in, this, in the 50s. And it's so funny because I see this new generation kind of embracing that culture. So it's like, my brother's name is Jeffrey. <laughs> His son is named Antonio Alfredo. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> very, you know, Spanish, very Mexican. And I think, but it was that, that I think that racism that, that a lot of people faced in the 40s and 50s. And I think they tried, they thought 
okay, let's Americanize ourselves a bit more and let's not speak Spanish. And I think anybody who was speaking Spanish, they're like, well, well, they'll look down upon us as opposed to saying, you know what, they're just like us. And so I think that's what happens when discrimination and racism hits people. Uh, they try to disassociate themselves and try to be a part of the majority, unfortunately. And, but I think this generation is different. I, I see a lot of my classmates, kids speaking Spanish and learning Spanish and embracing these uh, that, 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 that aspect, that part of their heritage that maybe their parents or grandparents tried to deny because they, they thought they had to because of the discrimination. Right, right. I actually interviewed someone yesterday who's a Spanish teacher mm. and a few, a few months back another person whose parents are from Panama and okay. the one from yesterday from the Dominican Republic, and she teaches Spanish in a private school environment. There's such a need for it, and I'm, I'm happy that our country has grown and has gotten to the point where you guys are able to just be authentic in who you are and celebrate that blend, you know. Um, there's value in all of it, and it's funny. <laughs> it's yeah. such a, a dichotomy, you know. You tell one group of people, we don't like you for this reason, but then other people capitalize on it and go to school and learning yeah. and all of a sudden now it's fancy and it's a it's a fad yeah. right I, I i this morning i went to georgetown in washington uh and there is this mexican restaurant uh i won't name the name obviously but it's a farm to taco and it's vegetarian and i i love it because it's it's 50 latino owned but i was like it's hilarious that in georgetown out of all places right Tacos are now being sold and people love it. All kinds of people are coming to the, to that restaurant. And I was like, Oh, wow. I can, I can only imagine those poor kids in the 1950s who are Mexican Americans going with tacos to, to school and their teachers punishing them for having tacos. And now I'm sure those teachers, great uh, grandkids are eating tacos <laughs> and loving it because it's taco Tuesday, you know, it's it's kind of unfortunate what human beings do to ourselves, but I, I I also see on the flip side are the people who continue to fight and fight for equal rights and civil rights and trying to celebrate those cultures. Um, they really pave the way for us to be able to embrace it. And so, I mean, my my kids are gonna have an interesting upbringing. Um, my my wife is an immigrant, an immigrant from India. She's mm -hmm. a, born and raised in India, and you know we keep on talking about we're gonna teach our kids Hindi and Spanish because that's part of their culture and mm -hmm. <laughs> who knows what their experience is going to be. But I, I think they'll be able to make it through just because there's going to be a history, a legacy in their families of being right. able to. My, my wife grew up speaking two languages, English and Hindi. I grew up speaking two languages and we should embrace that. That's amazing. It's yes. Amazing. Yes. It makes you such more of a powerful person, authentic person. And mm -hmm. I mean, this is the reality of the world. This It's a global mm -hmm. marketplace. The world is coming together because of our ability to travel and be in one country in a few hours. And there's so much mixing and people exchanging information uh, because of technology. And so it, that was unfortunate, but I'm glad that we've grown. Yes. <laughs> And we're now at a place, and that's why we exist as a podcast, is to celebrate what immigrants bring to the table. Because for far oh, yeah. too long, in my own personal experience, I've seen where it's just been 
you know, looked down upon. And uh, I mean, I think I just struggled to find my identity there for a while. And that wasn't mm. really a thing that I grew up with, right? I was very yeah. solid in who I was and, and growing up in the environment that I was raised in. But then after a while, it, I started getting messages like it was, who I was is not important and not valued. And so I had to do a lot of soul searching. And, mm. and so that's why we're having the conversation. Oh yeah. And I'm so, I'm so happy again, like I said at the beginning, I'm so happy you have this podcast because there's a lot of people out there probably struggling on whether or not they should accept who they are or, or, you know, it's kind of like Trevor Noah said, you know, titled his book, you know, born a crime, you know, you wonder if, is this bad that I'm born this way (laughs) or wait a minute, this is a beautiful thing that you have this. So I'm so happy that you're doing this and I'm sure it's going to help somebody out there. Um, I hope it reaches you know, folks who are going through the same experience that I went through and it inspires them or their parents, um, you know, a hundred years ago, the the immigrants who came from Europe only speaking Italian or Polish or, or, or Russian or, or whatever it was, then they struggled or French, they struggled too. I mean, they were away from their homes. And Mm -hmm. so this has been a part of the American experience. So why deny that? I mean, that's the history of our country, which is quite the irony of it all is how did the word immigrant and immigration and immigrants in the United States become such a a negative and a bad thing? This is who we are as a country. I don't think there's any other country around the world that can celebrate the fact that they have people from every country. I can probably safely say that. I haven't really done the research, but people (laughs) from every country around the world can you imagine? Yeah. There's no other oh, country. Yes. No, it's not. So, and and they and their kids can become diplomats. You know, <laughs> they can become Congress members or mayors or whatever, or lawyers, engineers. The president of the United States. How about yeah, that? Exactly. So, it's great. I mean, I I know we're pressed for time. I one short little story. Like I still remember my high school. This is before I got there, but I saw it on TV. Uh, it's majority Mexican-American, so they, they were playing American football against this team in north of San Antonio, which comes from a predominantly German uh, immigrant community, which they spoke German until the early 20th century, which is interesting. Wow. Uh, but during one of the games, uh, a lot of the fans from the opposing team, which was predominantly, you know, not people of color, maybe white, <laughs> they showed up wearing sombreros and throwing tortillas onto the field. And, you know, that stuck with us. It's like, oh, my gosh, you're making us feel like we're less than and they're making fun of our culture. But then it was funny. Many years later, I I find out that the community that did this, they were immigrants themselves. And they kept speaking German for many years, even though being ridiculed by other Texans for many years, saying, oh, my gosh, you have to speak English. You cannot speak German. And they dealt with a lot of issues during World War I and II, even though they were Americans, but because they were speaking German. And they eventually gave up German because they wanted to mix in. And obviously they lost a, a, a sense of culture there. But I was like, oh my gosh, this community that dealt with a lot of discrimination themselves by being immigrants. Now their kids are doing this. And, you know, we shouldn't forget that we were all at one point new to this country. And why perpetuate that kind of discrimination against another and so I think that's why it's so important to, to learn about our history and where we come from, no matter where you came from, to be more empathetic toward the other. Um, so 
Anyway. Right. <laughs> no, that's that's such an important point that you're making. We need to know our history. We need to know our roots. And uh, I guess I understand why there's a, people who are fighting to have certain information be taught in schools because yeah. we need to teach our full history and, and for people yeah. to know our struggles, our challenges, our successes, our triumphs, it's important. Or else you don't really know who you are. You are who someone else tells you that you are. And then they're solid in who they say they are, but then they're trying to tell you, this is who I think you are, right? No, so you need yeah. to be able to define who you are for yourself and, and know your history, know your parents' history, and, and stand in your truth. So very powerful oh, yeah. points that you're making. So to wrap up, we have a new segment on the show called Faux Pas. And okay. I, I really ask as advice for people who are trying to figure out this culture and how to have a more peaceful, abundant journey here. What is one thing that you would encourage immigrants or new residents or first generations or immigrants who are trying to figure this out, not to say or do just in order to be authentically who they are, but in in interacting with the general American public, there are certain things that it could be a no-no that most people across <laughs> the board would say, well, don't do that or don't say that because <laughs> I, I struggled with understanding a few of them myself. I'm, I'm still learning. <laughs> um, that's a good question. I'm trying to think. Well, you know, for example, in, in Latin American culture, there's a lot of the hugs and the kisses on the cheek and stuff like that and very warm in a sense. And you know, and maybe in some places in the United States, not that's not really accepted. Especially now, after the pandemic, I think people are still trying to learn how to hug each other. Uh, but I, I would say stuff like that. I, I know when I came to the East Coast, or even when I went to South Asia, I was like, "Whoa, hey, I, I can't hug people and give them a kiss on the cheek because it's not common." But here in the United States, um, you know, that's it's a it's a difficult question. I I think really. Um, trying to understand what the local lingo is. Even if you can't pick up English, say you're somebody who came from a non-English speaking country or a country where they didn't really teach English, try to pick up some of it uh, so you understand what's going on around you uh, for your own awareness and so you can also survive, but so you also won't make a, a mistake by saying something that you maybe don't mean and people take it uh, the wrong way. Um, Trying to listen to the, I, you know, I used to, well, I used to teach English uh, when I first moved to D.C. And I used to tell people, listen to NPR because they, they speak so clearly and slowly. You can try to pick up some of the English. And I feel that helps you out when you're trying to deal with going to a government office and you're having to deal with the bureaucracy there. They can be very, you know, as a bureaucrat myself, we can probably be very <laughs> rude or something like that, impatient. Try to pick up some of the English and understand it, um, especially like if you're in San Antonio or in Texas and in places, New Mexico, California, where a lot of people speak Spanish, it might be easier. But if you move to places throughout the United States where not a lot of people speak English, um, it's important to kind of understand that local lingo uh, so it can help you navigate better. So I would say that uh, because otherwise so many misunderstandings come up there or what I've seen is immigrants then become very afraid to come forward or ask for help. And especially ask for help in really dangerous times and mm -hmm. because they're so embarrassed to ask because they have limited English 
uh, they won't ask. So try to pick it up because it's, it, it can be a matter of life or death. I still remember somebody a few months ago around my neighborhood fell down, broke a foot really badly and, you know, didn't speak English very well, needed that their, their friends. And, um, you know, they were struggling trying to talk to the emergency folks on the phone. And I was there and I was like, uh, one of, one of the, the person's friends says like, you know, could you help? You know, she had broken English. She was probably somewhere from Eastern Europe or something like that. Could you help me talk to them? Because they're not understanding my English. And I was like, sure. But I just thought at that moment, if that person can, ha I know it's difficult to learn a new language, but if you can't pick it up, I mean, that was a situation where they really needed help. Um, and so I was able to be there. But if I wasn't there, I, would, I don't know who else would have helped them. So that's one thing I would say, uh, to just to gain trust and to just have some, have more confidence here. Yes, yeah. Well, your mom will be very proud of you, I'm sure, when she listens to this podcast. Hopefully. Thank you so much. For, <laughs> thank you for sharing your a son of an immigrant's story with mm -hmm. us. We appreciate your time, and we wish you all the best in your career with the Department of State. It sounds like that was your main place for work and you probably will continue down that career right probably <laughs> yeah yeah probably. so I, I wish you all the success you and your wife as you guys may consider going back overseas and as the little ones come along and um <laughs> all the very best and i think your story is going to resonate and people will find a lot of great nuggets from what you've shared with us awesome. today well thank you very much simone and 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 you're very welcome too for um you know, and thank you for having me here and sharing my story, my mom's story, really. Uh, but the best of luck to you and this podcast. Um, I know it's going to also help inspire many other people. So uh, kudos to you and the best of luck. And, and thank you for having me here. Thank you, Greg. Have a great evening with the family and we'll be in touch. All right. Thanks for tuning in again for another episode of The Immigrant Experience in America. Stay healthy and walk good. Tune in next week for another episode of The Immigrant Experience in America. As this is a new podcast, we welcome any and all support. If you have not done so already, subscribe on the Apple Podcast app, Google Podcast app, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. You can also support us by completing a five-star rating and review and sharing our podcast with your friends, family, and circle of influence.